Welcome back to the Crusher Media Football Podcast. This week we're going to be discussing the Premier League predictions and how I believe it's going to go. Basically, I have this split up into into five tiers: uh, the relegation fight, the mid-table, the Europa League chasers, the Champions League chasers, and then the top tier teams. So. Now, with that being said, I just want to get straight into it. I don't want to waste any of your time. If you, you saw the title, if you clicked on this and downloaded it or whatever to listen to it, uh, you want to just get straight into it. So let's get straight into it. I have Bournemouth in 20th. Bournemouth is in 20th because they lost Gary Cahill, they lost Nab Phillips, and they lost Todd Cantwell. And all they added to their squad was Marcus Tavernier and Ryan Fredericks. And that's just not enough. And even if they add more business, Scott Parker has shown over and over again why he cannot perform in the Premier League. Like, he's done it. He's not performed twice now with Fulham. They got rid of him. Bournemouth hired him, got him back up, which is great for Bournemouth. But I feel like Bournemouth has basically accepted they're going back down by their summer business. That's what it shows to me. So then we go into 19th place, and I have very similar problems with 19th that I do with 20th. Fulham is in 19th for me, because they're, again, they went up, and, you know, with the gap between the championship and the Premier League nowadays, most years, two out of three teams that come up are going back down. And maybe there's one that sneaks through. There's generally at least one that sneaks through, maybe two. But most of the time, it's... It's one that sneaks through. And generally, I find the difference between the one that sneaks through and the other two is managerial quality. And Scott Parker and Marco Silva are not good managers in the Premier League. Like, Marco Silva has at least had a few good stints in there, but I just don't think he's going to even last a full season at Fulham, if I'm being honest with you. I would expect him to be fired probably by January. And they go into full panic mode in January, try and buy a bunch of players and hopefully stay up. And it just won't work out. And that's kind of how I see it going for them. Um, and of course, they also lost us Car- Willing- er, Carvalho, the center attacking midfielder who went to Liverpool. And that's a huge loss for them. He was huge for them last year. So to expect them to replace that output with... Andreas Pereira just doesn't make any sense. I do like the signing of Kevin Mbabu, and Polino from Sporting could be a good signing, but we also don't know how well they're going to transfer from the Portuguese league to the Premier League. So, that has a big effect on things, too, and honestly, I believe there's a chance they stay up, but... eh. These two are pretty much my ones that I'm like, I'm certain are going down. Okay, number 18 is the one surprise, I would say, of my releg- teams I picked for relegation. Um, This squad, or this team isn't, I would say this team, there's going to be a gap between 18th and 19th, and 19th and 20th. Bournemouth and Fulham are going to be just quite clear for relegation, and this team is going to be fighting more with the other three teams I have in the relegation tier of where they're going to be, and this team is Southampton, 
And you may be saying, well, Southampton has had a decent summer, and they have. They brought in a few good youngsters from Man City, but they just don't have enough proven quality for me to stay up anymore. There, there's been teams like this in the past, like Bournemouth or Watford or, you know, teams like that who have, when Bournemouth and Watford were in the Premier League before they got relegated, where they were in the... You, Premier League for a while, and they kept slowly, slowly going down, going down from mid-table closer and closer and closer and closer to relegation, and I feel like Southampton, with this minimal investment, can only survive so long. The one thing that I do like about Southampton is their squad is very young, so if they went down, I would believe they would come relatively right back up and be stronger when they came back up, as long as they didn't lose a bunch of people. But that's my thoughts on Southampton. I just think they have too young of a squad that is too inconsistent. They go on hot streaks and cold streaks. And don't come at me in like eight weeks into the season and Southampton is in the top ten. Because they do that almost every year. And then they continue to fall off and fall off and fall off. And it's a repeating cycle of ongoing boom. Good streak beginning of the year. Good first two months, drop off. Good first two months, drop off. They've been doing that for like three years now. And I expect their time to run out this season. But I do like like Ralph Hasenhuddle. And I hope even if they get relegated, they stick with him and that project. Because he's the best thing at that club right now. He's the only reason they're not relegated already. So don't be dumb, Southampton. Stick with Ralph Hasenhuddle. He's good for you. Don't believe anyone who says otherwise. Okay, in 17th, I have Nottingham Forest. This is, you may be saying, oh, they spent a bunch of money. They're going to be like Fulham from a few years ago where they spent a bunch of money and then went down. Here's the difference. I don't believe in necessarily all the signings Forest has made. I think Jesse Lingard has the potential to be good, but also could be terrible. Nico Williams, I think, is a good signing. Timu Emuimu, the striker from Union Berlin. I can't pronounce his name very well. Sorry about that. Um, he could also be very good, and he's also young. Most of these signings are young, except Jesse Lingard, of course, who's like 27, 28 now. Um, but he is a young star with a lot of potential there, Jesse Lingard. Um, but I think this team has the potential to stay up because of Steve Cooper. Because, like I said, I believe the the way you stay up as a top promoted, newly promoted side is having a good manager. Like, look at Thomas Frank last year with Brentford. That's why them, him and Christian Eriksen were the reason they were able to stay up. Um, look at when... Uh, sorry. Look at when Newcastle came up with... Rafa Benitez, they were able to stay up. Look at Wolves with, um, Nuno with Nuno. Yeah, Wolves with Nuno, they were able to stay up. I think generally the best way you can come up from the championship and stay up is having a good manager. That's how I see it. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily that's always going to be the case, that you might get fired if you don't, or might get relegated if you don't have a good manager. Oh, all the leads with Bielsa. When a manager comes up with a strong, distinct style, I think generally a team's going to have more success, whether they turn their squad over a lot or not. 
But since Forrest was so heavily reliant on loans last season, it was almost necessary for them to bring in all these players because their squad was already very thin because of their reliance on loan. And I think even if Forrest do get relegated, they will come back up stronger, I feel like. Unless this is too much financial burden on them, and then they might crash and burn. But I expect it to come relatively close between Forest, Southampton, and this team in 16th. This team in 16th is Leeds, and it pains me to say this because I like Jesse Marsh. I like their business this summer. This is why they're in 16th and not in the relegation zone. They didn't have a great last season. It really shows that their squad is weak. A lot of those players, Bielsa got the most he could out of them, and they were really closer to championship players. But Jesse Marsh is coming in, and he's bringing in Mark Rucka and Tyler Adams and Christensen and uh, Brendan Aronson and Sinistera, and he's trying to put his own flavor on this team, which I respect that. But And he's already had some time, and now he's got a full preseason, so I don't think they're going to get relegated, and I think it's going to be a little bit better than last season. But I still think their squad is weak. They lost Rafinha, and they lost Kelvin Phillips, and I know Kelvin Phillips didn't play a lot last year, but he was also the team captain, so even if he's not playing, that leadership role is still affected, and Rafinha was their main goal source last season. So expect them to struggle and not do necessarily exactly great, but I wouldn't expect them to go down. Alright, so now we got the relegation tier finished. Now that that is done, now we gotta move on to the next tier of teams. Alright, now it's time to get back into it with the mid-table team tiers. Okay, so in number, in 15th place, this squad was debatable for me to be in the relegation tier, but the reason I have them outside of it is just because I think their their summer business has been relatively good, and they have a good manager, and that is Brentford at Thomas Frank. I know there's no way they could have possibly replaced Christian Eriksen and that output that he gave them, but their signings were good this summer. Honestly, I do believe that with my full heart that Ben Mee was a great signing um, and that Thomas Frank is good enough to keep them up regardless, but I do understand why you would be skeptical because Keen Lewis Potter, one of their other signings, has never played in a top tier, or Aaron Hickey at left back is coming from the Serie A and is relatively young, and I, I get why you'd be skeptical about these signings, but I like them. Um, Thomas Trakosha as competing with Rhea for that first-team goalkeeper spot. I think that should be good. They This is also just more depth for them, which is also a good thing. I'm really excited, honestly, by their signings. I think they're all good. I wish they would have replaced more of the creative output from Christian Eriksen, unless they expect that's what Keem Lewis Potter is going to do, but... Keem Lewis Potter is more of like a left winger than a center mid like Christian Eriksen is. I don't know. It's relatively interesting what they think they're going to do in this output in this season. But I am really excited to see them. And I think they can improve. And I know last year they really started to fall off before Christian Eriksen came back in and revitalized that team. 
So that's why I'm a bit scared on them, and I have them lower. But I believe in Thomas Frank, and I think he's probably a top-half manager in this league. And I think that, by yourself, is going to generally keep you up in the Premier League. All right. The next step for me is is uh, number 14. Uh, 14th in the league is going to be Brighton. Brighton is 14th for me because of their summer business. You don't sell Yves Basuma and potentially Mark Cucurella, not really replace either of them. And I know they have Mwepu, who is probably going to take a lot of the minutes away from Basuma this season. But still, this team just... I like Graham Potter. That's why they're not in the relegation fight. But they haven't improved. They haven't found a really good goal scorer. They're just taking risk on goal scorers again. And, like, maybe that works out. Maybe these players all work out. But I think they really needed to spend $30 million on a striker to take that next step forward. And they didn't do that. Plus, they sold one of their best players in Yves Vizuma and probably are going to sell their other best player, Mark Cucurella, this summer. And I don't see how you have how you get a worse squad and do better. In the Premier League, you have to improve each summer to even stay competitive with where you were last summer. Like, if you don't improve, you'll fall below. So if you get worse, you'll really fall below. And that's why I see Brighton down here. I really like Graham Potter, as I said, and I hope they do well, but I don't see it really happening with the summer business they have had. Uh, number 13 is Everton. I've seen a lot of people place Everton in the relegation fight, and I understand it. I mean, their summer business isn't that great. I do like James Tarkovsky, and Dwight McNeil is okay, um, and they have one more signing. Oh, yeah, Ruben Vinagre, they signed on loan, the former Wolves left wing back, and I think that's just a decent option at left back. Uh, depending how they like Malenko after they stupidly let Luka Dinier go last January. I mean, Everton is poorly run. I wouldn't be shocked if they were further down, but I feel like they have the squad already. Like, they have Dominic Calvert-Lewin. They have some good players in there. They have Jordan Pickford. And I think Frank Lampard is a competent enough manager. Like, I don't think he did as bad of a job at Chelsea as people say. And as a Chelsea fan, I think I can say that with confidence that especially that first season, working with not a lot, he did a lot. And I feel like that's what could happen at Everton. Hopefully these players are revitalized and care more after the scare of last season and they can find themselves back up in the mid-table instead of being in the relegation fight like they were last season, which was quite embarrassing for a team of that caliber. So I don't think they're going to be down there again, but I don't think they're going to improve massively. And honestly, I always over-predict Everton because I kind of have a soft spot for them. But normally I'm putting them up by the Europa League, so hopefully this is more of an accurate spot for them. All right, number two, or number 12, I have Wolves. And Wolves haven't really done much this summer. They lost Roman Saiz, who is a player that they normally have play a lot of minutes, and they haven't really replaced him all too well, to my knowledge. And Well, they brought in Nathan Collins. Sorry, I forgot about that. Nathan Collins. 
So they brought in Mason Collins, which is an okay signing. I mean, for $20 million, that's a little expensive. He had one season with Burnley, and you can always kind of look good in a Burnley defense. Like, look at Michael Keane, who was struggled at Everton ever since moving out of that Burnley defense. I feel like that's just something you can succeed in, so paying £20 million for a Burnley center back might be a little much. But he's young, and honestly, I'm just, I don't, not really that impressed by Wolves, and they also had a lot of struggles towards the end of last season, starting better and ending badly, and I could see that trajectory going to push them towards a mid-table finish. I know a lot of people have them lower than this, but I do think with some, some of the players in their squad, like Nelson Smedu, Ruben Neves, Joe Matinho, Raul Jimenez, Wang Hee Chan, Adama Traore, Daniel Podens, you know, they just have too much quality in that squad to be in a relegation fight with teams that just have much worse squads than them. So even if I'm not that impressed by Bruno Large or anything like that, I don't think they're going to be that low just because of the quality in their squad. Now, let's. this will bring us to our final mid-table tier team. 11th is going to be Crystal Palace. I think they're going to be the best of the rest, basically, for the teams that have no shot of making Europe. And I think in a year they could step up to that level, but I still think there's going to be some taking new to these new players. They lost Connor Gallagher. I think their, their squad's still good, like with Michael Lise and um, Eze. Sorry, I for blanked on his name for a little bit. Edward and Zaha, obviously, and, you know, but some of these other young players, and I like the addition of Chris Richards, uh, and do check Decore is also a good signing, the young kid, and I like, like Sam Johnston, who's also a good signing at goalkeeper, and honestly, I'm really excited by Crystal Palace, and I think in they continue to build the way they're going, that in one to two years they could be competing in this Europa League chaser pack, but I think we're just one year off of that right now. So they're good, but not quite that level of good yet. All right, so now we're at the Europa League chasing tier, and at 10, I have a squad that's going to kind of surprise a lot of people, but I find with these Europa League chasing kind of guys, the ones outside the top six are generally you're only able to compete with the top six kind of squads for so long before you kind of have a drop off. And this is because they just get fatigued. Their squads aren't as much. They can't invest as much. They have problems staying and competing because they don't have the resources of the top six clubs. So they can kind of only prep for a few years and then compete for a few years and then they got to cycle back around. And it also doesn't help when they do qualify for your things like Europa League, and then they have to play those extra games, and they can tend to struggle a bit. So I think West Ham in tents is gonna be get tents for that reason. They're gonna they're gonna struggle to compete again. They're probably gonna face some injuries that aren't so good for them. Like if Declan Rice, who's very very important to them, gets injured, you can see how they're season would spiral for even if it's just out for months those points lost are not going to be good and West Ham um dropped off towards the end of last season they were definitely higher up 
around Christmas time than they were by the end of the season. And I expect that trend to continue as they continue to fight in the Europa League. And I think they could have a decent performance in the Europa League. I just think competing in both, again, it's probably out of their league, especially with some of the improvements of the squads around them. Even though I do like their summer business bringing in Skamaka and um, they brought in someone else. Uh, Skamaka is really pretty much it. They have Agard from Ren, but he's relatively young and a risky signing. So I don't mind those signings. I think Skamaka is a little bit of a weird fit. I don't think he's quite as bad as the fit as like Sebastian Haller, but I feel like he's somewhere in between Haller and Antonio. And I think Amanda Broja would have been a much better fit. But maybe Chelsea just wasn't willing to budge on a permanent transfer there. But yeah, I just think they might be too fatigued. And um, competing for another year just might be a step too far with West Ham. And honestly, I'm just trying to learn from my mistakes of predicting Leicester to be too high when they eventually had a fall off too. And speaking of Leicester, that's who I have in ninth place. They... They, this is interesting because I feel like having them in nines is a little contradictive to what I said about Brighton, that if you don't improve, you get worse in the Premier League, which is true, but because they had so many injuries last year, I feel like those players coming back from injury are almost like new signings, even if they haven't made any new signings. I would also expect Leicester to make some signings before the end of the summer, so don't don't worry about that. I'm not really sure exactly what they would do or wouldn't do, but I think even with the squad they have right now, as long as they can stay healthier than last season, which I feel like isn't very hard, they can compete around the same level in ninth place. All right, in eighth place, I have Aston Villa. I love Aston Villa's summer business. Coutinho coming in, Kamara coming in, Diego Carlos coming in. It was all good signing. This is make it or break it for Steven Gerrard. I know he hasn't been there that long, but if he doesn't perform around 7th, 8th place this season, definitely a top 10 finish, he's out the door. That's what Villa is looking for. They're looking for incremental steps forward to show that they are good enough. And I feel that Villa in 8th place is something they can definitely do and I really, really believe in them, in their ability to do that. Coutinho significantly helped when he came in there last season. And then with Leon Bailey and Buendia having time to adjust to the Premier League, and, well, in Buendia's case, just Aston Villa and the new team, and giving them that year will definitely help improve their attack this summer, or this season. And I believe the additions of Kamara and defensive midfield, which was one of their big weak spots, and also Diego Carlos to replace the error-prone Tyrone Mings at center back will definitely help this team improve and hopefully become what they could always be and really gain their full potential. And I really, really, really like this window for Villa, and I think that could push them forward. Now, in seventh place, I have Newcastle. Newcastle, since Eddie Howe came in, was the fifth best team in the Premier League last season. So I don't expect them quite to get fifth, 
but I would expect them to continue to do great things. Bringing in Nick Pope at goalkeeper, who's a great goalie, even though Depravka is also very good. But Nick Pope, I would say, is definitely a step up on that. And then they were also able to bring in Sven Botman at center back. I do think they need a striker because Chris Wood did not really work out for them. And Callum Wilson is very injury prone. But I would not be shocked to see them bring in at least another striker or if not a striker, another attacking player to complement their forward line before the summer is over. I think they're just looking for the right player. And they seem to make all the right moves so far. They had a really good season last year. And they're also or a really good back half of the season last year. And they're also completely out of the woods when it comes to European football, which, you know, I, and West Ham are not. I know Leicester and Villa are, though. But I think Newcastle are just with some momentum they have from last season to carry over. And then also not having Europa uh, League or Europa Conference League to compete in. I think they're going to do great. Now, with that being said, here's um, my sixth place team. Is Manchester United. Yes, I have all the top six finishing in the top six. I think sixth place is exactly where Manchester United need to finish. And I think, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of angry Manchester United fans, but Manchester United need to finish in sixth place because they need to take incremental steps to getting better. They shouldn't want to just all of a sudden compete. Look at City under Pep Guardiola for their first year. They got fourth place under Pep. And I would argue that team that year out of that Premier League was way weaker than this Premier League right now. And I would think if you took that team and placed it in the 2022-2023 Premier League season, they get sixth place. So I would think as long as you establish some sort of identity and really push forward under Eric Ten Hag this season... And even if you start poorly and improve by the end of the season, you're heading in the right direction. Either way, you have to give Eric Ten Hag three years, three years Manchester United fan, before you can really boot him out the door. He's proven it at Ajax, and he's proven that he's a really good manager, and you really just need to give him time. And you have to accept that this season, there's five teams better than you in this league, and they are not even close to... Who you you have a very good squad, and I think once Eric Ten Hag gets it figured out, he will get it figured out, and you'll be competing by the end of the season at a relatively good level, but it won't be right away, which is why you're going to be in the sixth place tier, or in sixth place in the Europa League conference, or the Europa League chasing tier, sorry, got all my words jumbled there, um, and Manchester United, like, I know I would expect Rashford to have a bounce-back season. I would expect Sancho to improve. I don't know how Ronaldo is going to affect that team, knowing that he really doesn't want to be there. I would expect Bruno to have a good season. You know, Lissandro Martinez, I think, was a very overpriced signing, but will probably still be good for you. And Rafael Varane, if he can stay fit, will have a good year. And I know you still probably need that DM because Eric Ten Hag even said why he was at Ajax and Martinez doesn't have the a running ability to play center defensive midfield consistently. So he's probably not going to play there. He's going to play at center back. And I think it's 
interesting that you still haven't really signed that CDM, and I think that's really going to be pushing you back. But if you're able to do that, that would be great. But I still see you in sixth place and look forward to kind of a eh, season, but to see the incremental getting betterness of Manchester United. All right, now we're into the top five, the Champions League chasing tier. And I want to switch this up a little bit because I think the most interesting one here is fifth place, not third place. So I want to start in third and work my way back. And then you're going to find out who gets fifth place last, in my opinion. So Spurs, I have in third. Antonio Conte is probably the best manager of Spurs, Chelsea, and Arsenal, I feel like this was obviously them three, and then City and Liverpool are a step above, and if you look at Spurs' squad, I think it's more well-rounded than any of the other squads. I think they probably need to add a center back still to that squad, but I don't think it's terrible that they don't have one. You know, the addition of Jed Spence, and they do have Clement Longley, but uh, he's been... eh, the past few seasons, but when you look at that attack with Richarlison, Dejan Kulisevsky with the phone he, form he was in last season, they even have Lucas Mora to rotate, they have Harry Kane and Son, like, I just, I don't know how you get better than that kind of attack, even, like, that can compete with the top team, and then you bring in Yves Basuma, Benteker, and Hoiberg, which Conte will play a two in midfield and rotate those three in and out, is going to be great. I see Basuma as... I see Basuma as, like, a, a Conte signing when... Uh, N'Golo Conte-type signing when Antonio Conte was at Chelsea. It's so hard to get those mixed up. Like, Conte, 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 Conte. Even though it one C-O-N-T-E and one's K-A-N-T-E. But still, yeah. It's, you know... That's kind of the signing I see him as, the kind of role I see him wanting to play is run on all over the field, pick up, intercept the ball, distribute it to the other center man, and kind of play it out from there. And I see that's kind of how he wants to use Eves Basuma, and I think that's going to be great. Adding even Perisic is definitely something Conte likes to do, is add players that he's worked with before and he trusts. And he clearly does that with Perisic, which means Regulon is probably out the door, which is probably a bad thing in the long-term future. But for the current, uh, Conte will definitely make that work. And then Jed Spence is a good signing at right wing back. I don't know how much he'll play because Conte with young players is like me. But still, this squad is really good. I think they're going to get served pretty easily. And Antonio Conte is probably the best manager of these three with Thomas Tuchel close in there, and then Mikel Arteta probably fist or the least good, but Mikel Arteta might be the best in the long term, but for right now, that's probably how I'd rank it. But with that being said, I have Arsenal in fourth place, and this pains me as a Chelsea fan to say Chelsea's going to miss out, but here's why I have Arsenal making it. Arsenal have made all the right signings with Fabio Vieira, Alexander Zinchenko, a player that has worked with Mikel Arteta before, so Arteta clearly knows what he wants to do with this player. He knows how he's going to play. He knows what he can do, what he's capable of, what he's not. And he'll be a good, versatile player to help fill in for 
the injury-prone Kieran Tierney, but he also will probably play in center midfield, which he does in Ukraine very effectively, and Arteta knows what he is and isn't capable of, and he'll be a great versatile player to play all over the pitch for Arsenal. And then we go into signings like we have... um. I'm blanking on who else they brought in. Oh, Gabby Jesus, who could be one of the best signings of the whole entire summer because he, Arteta knows exactly what the kind of player he is. Let's not pretend like he doesn't. You know, Gabby Jesus came out and talked about how he would stay after practice with him at Man City and help him improve and do whatever else like that to continue to make him better and do shooting practices and stuff like that. So Arteta knows exactly what he's getting with him, and that was their main core weakness. And then they also brought in in Marquinhos and Fabio Vieira, which are two young players who hopefully, especially Fabio Vieira, I would expect to slowly be integrated and probably replace Xhaka in the starting lineup eventually. And either way, these players add depth. And you know who else adds depth? One of the best young center backs, William Saliba, coming back from loan. He was honestly one of the best center backs in Liga in last season at Marseille. And him coming back from loan is only going to help this team, even if he is the third choice center back behind Ben White and Gabriel. He's still going to be so helpful in case one of them gets injured and Gabrielle has been injured quite a lot for Arsenal. And then if not, Ben White can go out and play right back if Tamiyasu is injured. Erd and Saliba and Gabrielle can fit in at center back. So I think this squad is going to be very, very good. And I think they're going to improve on just barely missing out fourth and continue to stride forward. And of course, how could we not talk about Saka? Saka is literally probably the best young player in the Premier League. And as like a huge Mason Mount fan, that hurts me. But yeah, he was so, so good last year. So electric. And then you also get the compliments of Smith Rowe and Martinelli and Martin Odegaard, who are all just good young players. And this is good young core squad that's going to continue to grow and get better with every year and Mikel Arteta is definitely building something great here at Arsenal and thank god they gave him well thank god for Arsenal fans they gave him the time to really build the project he wanted to build instead of getting rid of him when things were a little low at first because now they're in the best place they've been since Arsene Wenger was there and that pains me to say as a Chelsea fan but it's true Now, Chelsea, I've spoken a lot about them at the prior podcast, how I'm not a fan of Sterling and Koulibaly. I think they're too old, and I don't think they're going to be great, but I do think they'll help right now. I think they'll be good enough right now, but I don't really get the right now signings because we need to plan more for the future when we can hopefully defeat City and Liverpool. But even with that being said, our defense has too much overturn. Our backroom staff has too much overturn because of all the stuff with Roman Abramovich selling the club. And we still don't really have a good like goal scorer. We have an aging midfield with Conte and Jorginho. And uh, it seems like Marcus Alonso is going to leave. But that's okay because Emerson. But then Cesar Espinacueto wants to leave. Basically, Chelsea has just been a mess. We've been a mess this summer, and I don't know how else 
to say it other than that we've been a mess. We have a decent squad, and Thomas Tuchel is a good manager. That's why I see us in fifth and not sixth. And I see it coming down towards the end and us pushing Arsenal to the end. But I just, I don't think we're going to do it. And you know what? Maybe because last season I predicted Chelsea to get first, and we ended up getting third and having quite a poor season. Maybe this is a way of me trying to say it. Maybe if I under-predict them, we'll overperform and we'll get, like, first then. But realistically, we both know that's not going to happen, and this team is going to struggle, and that's sad. But, yeah, I have have Chelsea in fifth. All right, so here we are at the top tier. There's two teams left, Liverpool and City. And, you know, I want to do this by saying, explaining which what I think are the positives and what I think of the negatives of each team. So Liverpool, the negative is they've lost Sadio Mane. The positive is Darwin Nunez has looked very good. Luis Diaz, Diego Jota, and Salah have all played very well for them. So if that's their front three, that will still work. They have Bobby Firmino probably at the fifth choice still, who's also been proven as a great player in that squad. They have a great, great defense in in Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez, Joel Matip, Ibrahima Kanate, Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Allison. None of those have been lost, and all of them are going to continue to be great. They really haven't had much squad turnover other than a good sale for Mane, and they also brought in Carvalho, who is a good young player who might not play a bunch for them, but they will be good. So mainly the main problem with me, or looking at Liverpool, is the loss of Mane and how much that's going to impact them. But I think with the addition of Nunez, plus Diaz, plus Jota, plus Carvalho, plus Firmino, plus Salah, I just don't see them having that much of an issue replacing them, especially with the three goals they put in over Man City in the Community Shield. Now, with that being said, my negatives are much stronger for Man City because Man City have brought in a big player in Erling Holland who only played 40% of the minutes for Dortmund next season, and it seems like they want to totally switch up their style on how they're playing to fit around him, which is an odd thing for a player who's not normally too fit of a player, and it's going to be out half the time. So they've lost Sterling, they've lost Gabby Jesus, they lost Ferran Torres last January and never really replaced him, and they lost Inchenko. And I think all that squad turnover is going to be basically a lot to handle, as well as switching up the way they play. So although I think this rebuild is good for Man City in the long term, I think it might hurt them in the current that Liverpool it's probably going to sneak it this year. I think Liverpool is going to get first and Man City is going to get second. Mainly because Holland makes them switch up their kind of play that they're going to play. And also Holland is very injury prone. And I don't think those two are going to go together too well. I think Darwin Nunez is going to work out good for them. And I trust all Liverpool's attacking signings. And they've always been really good for them. And they also have a very solid defense which they have a lot of options back there, and they're going to do great and be just fine back there. And I think this is the year that Liverpool sneaks a title 
because I think that's basically how this has gone. Like Liverpool uh, will chase City close, but normally fail. But you know, this one they'll sneak one like they did a few years ago when City had some injury problems. I do like the signing of Kelvin Phillips to add the add something in midfield just in case Rodri got hurt or something like that. But I think the attack got mixed up and messed up a little too much, and I think they'll have a slower start, and it's not a slow start, like, let's not see, you know, we're not going to look at City at November in 10th place, we'll look at them probably, like, 5 to 10 points behind Liverpool, and it'll just end up being too much, because how good Liverpool are, and Liverpool also ended last season on much better they were, uh, like, through January onward, they were getting 2.8 points per game, while Man City, I believe, was getting, like, 2.4, which is obviously both incredible, but Liverpool was clearly the, by far the better team in that. So I think they're going to continue to be like that, and it's, they're going to push forward, and it's going to be great for them. And they're going to have the City, and they're going to have Liverpool win the championship. All right. With that being said, I want to leave that up on the screen for a little bit so you can kind of look at the rankings, and I want to quickly discuss who I think might be winning the Golden Boot. So I think there's probably hmm, four shouts, you could say. You could say Erling Holland, You could say Liverpool. You could say Sadio Mane. Or not, sorry, not Sadio Mane. Mohamed Salah. You could look at Manchester United and... You could say Ronaldo, maybe, and then you can look at Spurs, and you can say Harry Kane. And I think, really, when you look at it, Ronaldo isn't going to be committed enough to this Manchester United team, I think, to win the Golden Boot. But maybe his selfish desire is going to push forward, and he might want to get that one last individual achievement for himself. But I see that being unlikely. And then I'm going to look at Holland as the third most likely shout for the golden boot. And I think Holland getting the golden boot is not going to happen because he's not going to be able to stay fit enough for the whole season to play. And also Pep likes to rotate. So maybe he doesn't play even all the time when he is fit. Now it's between Kane and Salah. And I think the golden boot goes to Kane because Kane is going to be more of a vocal point for the, his team. And they're going to push forward. He's going to be in great form pre and post World Cup unless something drastic happens at the World Cup to affect that. And I think Salah, you know what? You know what? I actually, I'm switching my opinion right now because Harry Kane has to go to the World Cup and Salah does not. I believe Salah is going to win the Golden Boot. The original reason I was going to say Salah isn't going to win the Golden Boot is because there's more better goal scorers around him at Liverpool, but I just don't think that's the case anymore, and with a lot of these younger players like Diaz Jota and Darwin Nunez coming into Liverpool, Salah, I think it's going to be the one consistency in their starting lineup, so I think he's going to win, but I think it's going to be close between him and Kane, so yeah, that's my, those are my Premier League predictions, for the Golden Boot, as well as where teams are going to finish. Um, please let me know on TikTok or in the comment section on YouTube or even Instagram about what you think about my predictions, if you think they're going to be right, wrong, 
or anything like that, and I'll try and get back to you. And thank you for listening, and peace out.